You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I have no doubt that this project will become a three and a half or even a four million ounce deposit. Um, so it is definitely a major discovery. It's been de-risked substantially, uh, but in some respects, we've been a victim of our own success because we've moved so fast that the market just hasn't kept up with our progress. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers, and we're checking in with one of our longtime sponsors, Osino Resources. This company is developing a gold project, the Twin Hills Project in Namibia. And we featured this company going back even before their first discovery hole. And now here we are with the new mineral resource estimate that was just released. If you add up all the categories, it's over 3 million ounces and over 2.8 million ounces in the indicated and measured category on the way to a pre-feasibility study. Yet the company's market cap in Canadian dollars is probably only about 125 million uh, as we speak today. So here to talk about the project, the accomplishment and where the company's going is the founder, president and CEO, Haya Don. Haya, thanks for joining me today and uh, congratulations on this new mineral resource estimate. Thank you, Bill. It's great to be back. We're very happy, um, but lots more to come. So break down this mineral resource estimate. This is many years in the making. And as I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking back to a conversation you and I had in person at PDAC maybe three-ish years ago. And I remember at the time you were thinking that you could get the mineral resource up to 2 million if everything worked out. Here we are, you're at 3 million. So talk about the development of uh, how you've been able to develop this project, please. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, I remember, actually, I think you pressed me some more and, I, I, and you asked me, could it be three and a half million? And I kind of reluctantly said, I think it can be. I'm fairly certain it can be, but difficult thing to say. But here we are. We're very close to that. Um, and I have no doubt that this project will become a three and a half or even a four million ounce deposit. Um, so it is definitely a major discovery. It's been de-risked substantially. Um, but in some respects, we've been a victim of our own success because we've moved so fast that the market just hasn't kept up with our progress. And um, so a lot of people still have us in the sort of advanced exploration PEA bucket, but we will be on that. We are, we are now actually an advanced developer. And as you say, um, very quickly, we will be we will be announcing the pre-fees in about a month, less than a month, early September. And we'll follow that up very quickly, probably six months later by Q1 next year with the definitive financing. Permitting will be in the bag by then. So... We really are at the end of that, at, at, you know, we, we're coming through the trough of, of that final curve on the Lasson curve. I'm sure that a lot of you uh, listeners will know the Lasson curve. Um, but so I don't I think, think you got the benefit of the first peak. That's what I was thinking through, Haya, because, so for example, Tavi Kaska from Crescat Capital, he calculates that the peak market cap of a, an explorer that's successful as 20% of the gross metal value in the ground. So when I did that back of the napkin calculation for your company, that would be a billion dollars U.S. market cap, yet you're barely over 100 million U.S. market cap right now. So you never even got the benefit of that first peak on the Lasan curve. It's true, um, but we are progressing through the Lasan curve much faster than many others. So I think that certainly the heavy lifting has been done. I mean, building a mine is difficult, of course, but it's predictable, whereas exploration is unpredictable. So that kind of geological risk to me is always the biggest risk. And we threw that, you know, from here, as you know, uh, kind of, you know, finding the first million answers is like making the first million dollars. That's the difficult part. Thereafter, it gets easier. Um, 
Yeah, so no, we, we're very excited. I mean, when you, uh, in kind of using the valuation metrics that you talk about, um, the best way to look at us is to compare us to other companies that are doing similar stuff, like Marathon Gold, Skeena, Artemis, you know, people, some people may recognize these names. These are advanced developers in Canada or North America, and they they are trading at like 500 million, 600, even $700 million market cap. That's where we should be. But um, I have no doubt we'll get there. We just have to keep on delivering. Of course, the market hasn't helped. You know, at the moment, there's no audience. There are very few buyers. Um, some of, a lot of my friends and high, high net worth um, sort of um, associates are buying. And I think at the current share price, it's just a huge opportunity because we've had a very significant seller over the last two weeks, which has been the reason for the depressed share price. And um, yeah, I think we continue to be, and more than ever before, we are the best risk return opportunity out there, I believe, because a lot of those risks are addressed and there's substantial return uh, to be made from re-rating going forward. With this mineral resource estimate, it's pick constrained. So for uh, investors that don't know what that means, it adds higher certainty. Can you explain what that means, please? Yes. You know what? Under under the sort of regulatory guidelines that are used in, in Canada, you, these days, for the last couple of years, actually, they changed the rules about two years ago, I think. Um, and they make you pit constrain a resource. Remember, people always talk about resources and reserves. And the difference is a resource should be a measure of inventory, what's there. It should not necessarily be a, fre- a reflection of the economics. Economic, um, economics come with economic studies like PEAs or pre-feasibility studies. With a pre-feasibility study, we can convert the resource to, or the economic part of that resource to a reserve. And, you know, the valuation metrics on reserves obviously are much higher than on, re- on resources. And with that pre-fees that's coming out in four weeks' time, um, we will put on the table a reserve. That's when you can declare a reserve. That's when you formally enter the um, the group of advanced developers. And I, I mean, obviously, I, I must give you all the disclaimers, all the numbers that I'm going to tell you are speculative, non-4311, haven't been confirmed. But, you know, of course, I'm on top of things. And I expect that we will have a very high resource to reserve conversion rate. Probably our, our reserve will land somewhere just north of 2 million ounces. And um, yeah, so that's that's spectacular. That really sets us apart from any others. Most of these other companies I mentioned to you have very substantial resources, but much smaller reserves. And you've so, also sorry, delineated, that, delineated targets too, beyond what you've currently uh, set forth. Yes. Um, I mean, our deposit is open at depth. Um, it's open along strike. We have a number of additional targets that we're going to test. Um, so that's all the upside, but, um, the focus at the moment is on turning the currently known, our current resource into a mine. And that's, that's the, the studies and the development work that we, that we engage with, which will be reflected in that pre-fees coming out in early September. Are you focusing more on metallurgy right now in order to do the pre-fees or where is the focus on in terms of the desktop work? You know, it's much more than desktop work. It's uh, the metallurgy is basically done. In fact, the metallurgical work we're doing at the moment is already what's required for the definitive. So the metallurgy is done. 
Uh, we know what the process layout will be. We know what the size of the uh, plant, process plant will be. It's going to be a very large processing plant, around 5 million tons per annum. Um, and so that's done. You asked me, where do we focus? Well, at the moment, we're focusing on putting it all together, number one. Number two, on fine-tuning our estimates, the capital estimate and the cost estimates. So another beauty of this of this pre-fees coming out will be that it's very current. It will reflect all the inflationary increases that everybody's talking about. And even with those increases, our economic numbers that will come out in that pre-fees will be very good. I think we will we will blow everyone's expectations out of the water. Um, it's going to be hopefully in the 200,000 ounce per year gold production range for the first five years or so and then tapering off. It's going to be a long life, low cost, low risk operation and the pre-fees will demonstrate that. So that, that's really what we focus on at the moment. So you just acquired from B2 Gold uh, Undundu. Is that project and that deposit working into your feasibility for Twin Hills at all? How does that fit into the picture here? Um, it is definitely fitting into the picture as future growth, um, but it's not formally going to be part of our pre-feasibility because um, it would, it's, it, it's at, well, at the moment, there's not even a resource on that project, but we will put one out shortly, probably in around, probably in middle of September after the pre-fees, we will put out a maiden resource on that project and we expect it to be substantial, certainly north of a million answers. Um, and again, no one expects that. The reason we bought it is because we have to create scale. You know, everyone wants to see scale and growth. And so that's where that project will fit in. It will give us the growth beyond the numbers that I just mentioned to you. But we have to go through the same study uh, steps. So we have to, after the resource, we will do a, a PEA and then a pre-fees. Probably a PEA early next year and then a pre-fees on that project, tying in with our existing Twin Hills project sometime in the first half of next year. But you should see that on Dundu as the cherry on top. I think that's going to get us substantially beyond uh, the production rate that I just mentioned. But there's some hoops we still have to jump through um, to be able to do that. Because remember, one of our constraints is financing, project financing, ability to raise the money to build is mine. And that's why if we go too big too early, uh, we have a, a capital constraint. And that's why I'd rather stick with a known, de-risk that, put that on the table, and then thereafter the next one. Will you look for a high grade starter pit then to reduce um, you know, the payback period and all that? Yes, we will. I mean, one of the numbers that you mentioned, 3 million answers in the reserve that we just put out two days ago or yesterday. But within that, at a higher cutoff grade is such a starter pit. We have 2 million, just north of 2 million answers at 1.46 grams per ton. You know, that is very respectable. That is, um, that's better than Ochikoto when it was built. And then on top of that, you have another million answers at a lower grade, which will also be fed. It's all also economic answers. So, so that high grade startup pit definitely will be there. Um, and I mean, our economic numbers will be very respectable. Our payback will be probably two to two and a half years. Um, high internal rate of return north of 20, 25%. Um, NPV, many multiples of our market cap. So in fact, uh, you know, for the expert listeners on your show, Projects like ours often get valued on a price per NAV basis. That's the kind of ranking tables that the bankers and others put out. And on that metric, we are bottom of the pack in terms of valuation. It's obviously not so good for us in terms of raising money, but it's good for investors because it's a, a, a hugely de-risk and undervalued opportunity. And that's why I'm so so convinced or that's why I have so much conviction in saying that it's, it's right now it's just a massive opportunity. 
you have called uh, Namibia the Texas of Africa. Um, and the, the permitting is very straightforward and you can actually move quite quickly through it. So for investors that don't know about Namibia, talk about from where you are now, you're on the, the verge of the pre-feasibility study. If all goes well and financing comes through, how quickly could you be producing? Yeah, thanks for the Texas analogy. Some some uh, American listeners um, said to me I should call it, rather call it Nevada because we do have some mountains over here. Um, but it is very similar. It looks and feels very similar. <laughs> it's ranch land, uh, you know, uh, guys like my family um, and others. So in terms of permitting, yes, for sure. It's, it also is very predictable. Um, the two key permits that we need are, it's, it's a very similar process to North, North America and Canada, just more predictable because we have, we have a very supportive, mining supportive population and regulators. So we need a mining license. And before we can get that, we need environmental authorization. So all our paperwork was submitted earlier this year. We expect to receive the environmental authorization within the next couple of months. And that will be followed up um, shortly thereafter with a mining license. Of course, we cannot force this timeline. It's up to the regulators, cannot talk on their behalf. But in fact, last week, I met with both the Minister of Mines of Namibia and also a very senior official in the Ministry of Environment. Um, and those individuals have to sign off on these licenses that I mentioned. And they've given me a very strong indication that we will get those licenses uh, soon, uh, very likely well before the end of the year. So that's going to be another major de-risking step. And then beyond that, to turn this project, to make this project truly shovel ready, we, we need some smaller sort of site-specific permits, stuff like explosive storage, water abstraction, waste removal, et cetera. But that's a mechanical process that's, that, that we will do. I, I really am convinced, and I think we have a very good sh chance of turning this into a shovel-ready project by the end of this year or early next year. And would the feasibility be done this year too, Haya? Is it that close on the heels of the pre-fees? Um, the, yes, the feasibility, the definitive feasibility study is close on the heels of the pre-fees, but it will still take a bit of time. So at the moment, our target is to complete that by to complete that by the end of the first quarter next year. Um, we have to finish off the metallurgical work, basically the variability analysis. It's just more detailed med test work. That's what we're busy with right now. And then another round of actually the biggest difference between a pre-fees and a definitive is the the even more detailed level of estimating of capital and operating costs. So there you really have to go to first principles and that takes a bit of time. So I think Q1 next year, end of Q1 next year, next year is when we expect the definitive. Um, but that definitive is really only needed for the financiers because I mean, we have already initiated, we, we've somewhat down the, down the way, down the road with the project finance process. So we already have strong expressions of interest from a range of private equity um, and senior senior debt, senior debt providers, banks, et cetera. So we have strong interests already. And I hope that we will get term sheets um, for the construction or, or, or for the financing of the capital, hopefully by the end of this year or early next year. Those, the, those typically, before you can draw down and actually spend money, that's when you need to have the definitive in hand. That's why we're pushing that definitive so much. So I think by Q1 next year, we'll be in great shape. And I expect that we will be in a position to start with early works probably around the middle of next year. And then the build-out period, nine to 12 months, is that what would be expected? No, it's a little bit longer. It's actually um, the EPCM, the Engineering Procurement and Construction Managers, who we, we haven't decided who we will go with. It's, it's, it's either going to be a large South African group or like a podium who we are currently working with. They've told us that the build period is 15 to 18 months, probably 15, but to be safe, 18 months. So if we start 
middle of next year. Best case scenario, remember this is an ambitious timetable. We could be producing first gold at the end of 2024. But if I give myself another three to six months, let's say early 2025, first gold, I think that's a realistic um, timetable. So to put that in perspective, this is lightning speed in terms of the mining industry when everything moves at a snail's pace. So from discovery hole, which I believe was 2019, to potential first pour within five years, I mean, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, we will definitely accomplish that. But I wanted to just acknowledge our cornerstone investors and shareholders, Ross PT, Resource Capital Funds, Invesco, the large financial institutions that have supported us and they have been very stable, even through this latest share price sort of up and down, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So that strong financial support is, of, of course, essential. But I think um, in the next six months, we're going to get into a different level of financing. You know, debt financing is a very different game to equity financing. And we're making good progress. There's very strong appetite. So I think um, I'm confident. I think we'll deliver this timetable. All right. Well, we will be following up with Osino and Hayadan uh, upon the release of the pre-feasibility study. Plan to do a live webcast with my friend Kerry Lutz so you can log on and uh, ask Haya your own questions after that comes out. In the meantime, the company's website is osinoresources.com. Ticker symbol in Toronto, OSI, in the States on the OTC, OSIIF. Also trades in Frankfurt under R2R1. Haya, thank you for coming on and providing this update today. Great. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.